As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So, Mike, do you remember the story of Jack and the Beanstalk? Yes, I I think so, pretty much. Right. So we'll just walk through it real quick for those that don't remember. So who's the hero? That would be Jack. Right. And what is his goal? The golden goose or because it'd be like money. I I know he's supposed to sell a cow, but traded it for those magic beans and his mother was mad. Yeah, 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 exactly. You got it. It's coming back. It's coming back. And because they couldn't feed the family on magic beans, right? He comes back with these magic beans that he sold the cow for. And she's like, what the hell? I I can't put food on the table with these magic beans. So now what is his obstacle? The giant. Yes, yes. So what do these three components make up, right? His goal obstacle and hero. I don't know. I don't know where you're going with this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
So it's it's not just my love for for Jack and the Beanstalk. These are the basic elements of a story, uh, which is what we're going to discuss today. How do we bring storytelling into the products we're building? Welcome to Rocketship.fm. In season four of Rocketship, we are diving into everything product and growth. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We're your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. So Jack and the Beanstalk seems like a silly place for us to start. <laughs> Honestly, right? Yeah. But I learned all of this from Michael Jammin, who is a writer for Beavis and Butthead and most recently Marlin on FX. And he's also the co-founder of Twirly Girl with his wife, Cynthia Jammin. And so he helped us to break down the basic elements of a story. Um, here's me struggling through his questions. Goal. Okay. That's it. Hero, obstacle, goal. It's the struggle of a hero fighting an obstacle to achieve a goal. And that's it. Okay. And it's not two goals. It's not three obstacles. It's one, one, and one. And that's it. So I'm going to give you an example uh, just for everyone, you know, uh, an example that everyone's familiar with. Mm-hmm. So Jack and the Beanstalk. Yep. So who's the hero? Jack. Good. Got it right. The hero is <laughs> usually <it>. <laughs> got his name in the title. So what is his uh, goal? Um, shoot, it's, it's, I'm, I'm trying to remember the story. He yeah. to get to the top of the beanstalk. Beanstalk, right. The giant. Good. Well, that's, okay. the goal. that's the obstacle. The obstacle is the giant. It's the giant. I, I forget what his motivation is. The money to buy you're, shoes. You're dead. You're dead. I don't know. <laughs> Getting really close. So his, uh, his goal was the goose that laid the golden egg. The goose. Okay. okay. So if we keep running with the Jack and the beanstalk example, we have the basic foundations of a story here with the hero, obstacle, and goal. But it's not a good story, right? Jack wants money, but he's basically a thief stealing the goose that lays the golden eggs. And and really, no one wants to root for a thief. Yeah, but he was trying to please his mother, right? Yeah, yeah, right? So that's the part of the story that humanizes him in such a way that you're compelled to root for him. By the time he becomes a thief, we don't even think of it that way because we're invested in his success. I mean, if he doesn't get that goose, he's in a whole heap of trouble and his family will starve. I hadn't even thought of it that way. Yeah. So here's another way to make a a story more compelling, right? Is we increase the goal and we increase the obstacle, right? And we see this in movies all the time. So he's not going up against a dwarf or an ant at the top of the beanstalk or a puppy, right? It's a giant who happens to eat the blood of Englishmen. (laughs) Right, exactly. He's intimidating. And he's not getting a couple bucks out of it, right? He's getting a goose that lays golden eggs. It's like infinite wealth. It's a pretty lofty goal. And so here's Michael Jammin breaking down the story of Rocky, a movie, in his opinion, that has one of the greatest story arcs. Academy Award. It's one of the best movies ever made. Okay. Now, okay, they made Creed. Creed was just released now. It's like Rocky 8. It's the, mm-hmm. it's another version of Rocky. So basically, I'm sorry you haven't seen it because it's a, it's a wonderful movie, but it's basically a story of, of a street guy. All, he, all he's doing is he breaks thumbs for a living, you know, when people can't, you know, pay their debts. And Rocky wants, uh, Rocky's going to fight Apollo Creed. Right. Uh, and he's going to prove to himself, he's going to prove to the world that he's, he's worth something. So that's, that's just another example. So Rocky, what does he want? He wanted to go the distance. He knew he couldn't even win. 
He just wanted to go the distance. He wanted to prove to the world he wasn't a loser and to himself he wasn't a loser. That was his goal. And the obstacle was Apollo Creed, which was his opponent. Now, Apollo wasn't just like a, a good boxer. He was the world champion. He was super smart, really handsome, a great businessman. This guy, he was named after a god. I mean, this guy was not, the obstacle wasn't small. The obstacle was huge, okay. right? And the goal was huge. It was, and the goal wasn't, uh, I wanted to be the world champion. That's not realistic. It was just to go the distance. So it was such a wonderfully, I mean, just amazing movie. And so that's what he really wanted was to prove, you know, that he wasn't a loser. And that's the difference between Rocky one and Rocky's two through eight. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay. it's the same movie. It's about a guy, you know, in a, in a ring, in a fighting ring. Yep. It's about this guy beating up other people. That's not the good part. The good part is what you, what the character really wants. Okay. So, so how does this all relate uh, to product? So these are the basic elements, the core of what a story is, right? Now we take these elements and we put them to use in our product epics, our narratives, our stories, and in our marketing. <sighs> but product stories can be so boring to read through, right? But they don't have to be, right? They, they should be inspiring. They should inspire our team who's building these products. So I talked with Josh Annan. He's formerly of Pixar and currently the head of product management at Embodied, a robotic startup, about how he uses stories inside of a product narrative. One of the most powerful things I find is actually in what I call user narrative kind of a user story, but Agile sort of taking over that term to mean like a little to-do item. To me though, a user narrative is something that you can write down in a PRD, you can pitch to people verbally, etc. This is a story of what's going on in your customer's life. What are the challenges they have? What's the context? What's the situation? What are the pain points and frustrations they have? And then how does your product end up playing a role in their life and make it better? And what I find here is that if you tell an authentic story, something that's real and believable, somebody reads it and they go, yeah, I totally see this and get it, then that really helps you understand your product, the most important features, how it's going to work. And to reemphasize the context from it, what people often forget is that using a product has a lot of friction to it. I was just talking last night with somebody about Shazam and how it's a great product, but to use it, it's kind of a pain. You have to get your phone out, unlock it, launch the app, tap the button, etc. So there's something interesting about how Alexa and other home assistants have actually switched this to be the other way, where you've heard something that you remember and you go, Alexa, play the song that is like this, yeah. and it's able to figure it out. So similar technology just applied in a way that has much less friction to the user, and now it's actually useful to their life. Okay. So context in a story is important to me is it helps you understand that friction in an authentic way. I love how we're getting into the details here because it's so important to understand a user's context when they're using your app, not just how the app functions. Totally. There is so much context inside of this interaction. There's a whole world happening around your customers as they use your software that we rarely think about. So Josh uses personas to further push this idea with his team. Yeah, building empathy and understanding amongst the product team, this can be a really tricky task. You're telling me. So here's Josh. I guess there's a couple different forms. So the first is how I craft it myself. After I've done my homework and my research and come up with the sort of hypothesis of this is what we want to build, that's kind of my starting point. Okay. It's like I start with the end of the story. 
And then I really try to work backwards and think about who is the customer, who is the persona or personas that we're appealing to, with as much information as I have. And then I try to actually, I'll actually go back to them and like in the persona, sometimes you'll have certain words or key phrases you've heard from customers. And I'll try to incorporate those into the story, especially in the setup. And I don't try to be selective about my details too. So if you think about building a product for like a new parent, well, there's a good chance they're going to be tired. They're going to be holding their child in one hand. So I mean, having two hands to operate, something's going to be pretty hard, etc. I try to pay attention to details like that for the setup. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att. Com. That's business.att.com. Now, back to the show. I like this a lot. Start with the outcome and work backwards. Here, we're really building out that hero persona, why we're actually rooting for them. Right. Just like Jack and the Beanstalk. Unless your users are thieves. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we do know thieves can be heroes, right? According to Mother Goose. So how does Josh take these personas and start to actually pitch the ideas to the team? Then I'll go and I'll actually tell you, like, what is this world going to be like? Just, I mean, you could almost imagine me saying once upon a time when <laughs> right. I narrate this story. <laughs> Sometimes it will be, I write it down and it's part of a PRD and I'm sending it out to somebody and asking for feedback. And usually to help with consumption too, from that user narrative, I'll break out a list of specific requirements that can be put into a project management system. If I'm pitching the story verbally, I'll actually just tell the story. And it might not be exactly the same way as what's written down, but I'll usually have the main salient points and the important details, etc., so that people have a pretty good idea of what's going on. If I'm pitching it verbally, it's probably going to be a little bit shorter too than the written version. Yeah. And when people start asking questions, I might point out that there's more detail in the written version. So have you brought your kids to see Coco yet? I did actually just this past week. Yeah, me too, right? Wasn't the writing amazing? It, it was ama- It was amazing. I mean, the whole story of it, the whole visual of it, everything about it was really, really cool. Yeah, the goal and the obstacle and, and how they brought humanity into it. Um, Pixar never fails to be amazing. And, and Josh, he worked at Pixar for 10 years. You must have asked him about that Pixar magic. I did, I did. And I asked him how it can be used in a product. One of the big things that I think is important, something I actually learned from a screenwriting coach and producer, Barry Evans, and she teaches screenwriting websites. I think it's big, big ideas. It's crazy saying to a product, a startup person, you should take a course in, in screenwriting, but it's actually helpful, is the idea of theme. So every good, interesting movie that resonates and that you want to watch again and again has some universal fundamental truth that it's advocating for. And it could be something as simple as family is more important than money. Or it could be something more complex. Uh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, Monsters University's theme was a little bit more mature. It's sort of you might have a dream of, of one thing, but it doesn't necessarily work, but then you find an alternate path that's even better and happier for your life. 
That theme to me is core to the product of the story, etc. This is something universal that everybody is able to relate to and understand. It's the why are we actually doing this? What real thing are we trying to solve? What fundamental value are we trying to give to a customer? This is reminding me a bit of Simon Sinek's Start With Why talk. If you're able to express the why, it helps you get down to the core of what you're doing. That core is what people are going to buy into. Totally agree. And that that is such a great talk. And when I think of Pixar and storytelling, I think of emotions, like building up a character's story and creating this overarching theme that just kind of draws you in. How can this be done for product? Yeah, that that's a question that, that I was asking too as I was talking to him. And so here's Josh. So for the emotional appeal, I really try to understand this theme and what we're trying to solve for fundamentally And then I build the story that I'm telling on top of that. And if I have something that is universal and connects with people, then they'll start to resonate with it. The other bit beyond that is I try to understand my audience. And when I'm telling them the story, especially in like the first 30 seconds when I want to get their attention, I try to use words and phrases or give them information or ask questions that will appeal and resonate to them. A simple example that I often give, this can be a little confusing to do, is if you're in a group setting, you can ask people, have you ever? You want to make sure the answer to that question is going to be yes, and they buy in and go along with that. Another thing you can do is if you're in a smaller setting, is you can say to somebody, tell me about a time when. And then you get a little story from them, and now they're kind of interested, and they put themselves in the customer's shoes, or the hero of the story's shoes. And then that just automatically creates more of a connection because they see themselves there. Yeah. So the key to all of this is really getting down to the core of what you're building and expressing that to your team. And your customers. Right. Through a relatable story. One that puts your customer in the hero's shoes and shows them overcoming some sort of obstacle to achieve a goal. The bigger the goal, the better. So this podcast. Who's the hero? Well, it's not you or me. It's definitely the listeners. (laughs) And what's their obstacle? Maybe like knowledge? Yeah, it's probably something in their life. Like they need their product to grow, to better serve their customers. Yeah, and everyone has a different issue. Some, maybe they need to support family in a bootstrap business, or some might have stiff competition at work and they're looking for an answer on how to get ahead. Whatever it is. Their goal is a better version of themselves. So that makes us their spiritual guides, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're basically the shamans of their product journey. I think I could dig that. you want to find out more about rocketship.fm go to rocketship.fm it's pretty simple right make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss future episodes in this series and if you like today's episode tell a friend or two friends or a lot of friends we would love it if you would spread the word we you could sign up for our newsletter we have partnered with product collective mike belcito's company to bring you even more content each week so if you sign up for the newsletter you're going to get content from rocket ship fm you're also going to get detailed product content from product collective which is incredibly valuable and as entrepreneurs it's one of the most important topics for us to stay up on so go to rocketship.fm and sign up for our newsletter if you enjoy this content leave us a quick review 
um, or tell a friend or share the link on Twitter. Anything helps to get the word out about the show. We really appreciate it. We'll be right back here in just a couple of days. 